Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. I love being here with you every week, and most of all, what I love is being able to bring you people that have great new ways of thinking of things, great ability to ask questions that can really get to the heart of the issue for you, can shift your perspectives, and can make you think about the stuff you're doing every day perhaps a little bit differently. And my guest today is no different. I am so excited that Bob Berg happened to mention her to me because finally got Maura Neville Thomas on my show. Her book is amazing. It's called Attention Management, How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day. And for those of you who have known me for a lot of years, seen my keynote speeches, read my book or anything, you know that I don't believe time management is the best way to be. I think attention management is, but I never knew it was a thing. I really never did until Bob said to me, check out Moore's book, Attention Management. And it is, it is revolutionary the way it can change what you do, how you do it, and the outcomes of it, and how you feel while you are being more productive in a different way. So, Maura, thanks so much for coming to the show. My pleasure, Laura. Thanks for having me. It's exciting because you know, I teach a lot of pro- productivity management kind of things. You know, I've been asked several times to do some goal setting with people and then to help them achieve their goals. I do it a lot with my clients. But the way you talk about attention management in your book to me is so revolutionary because we all think I don't have enough time to do things, but what you say is it's not about time, it's about your attention. How did you come up with this idea? You've been doing this for what? Over two or three decades now, right? Yeah, I've been in the productivity industry for a really long time, um, starting from right out of college and as I studied the productivity industry um, about a decade ago, when I talked to people about productivity and the ability to achieve their more their most significant results, which to me is sort of the point of productivity, right? Achieving the things that are most important to you. And when I explained that to people, they would ask me what I did. I would tell them, and they would say, "Oh, so you help with time management?" And that started to kind of bother me <laughs> because. Yeah. Um, we can't manage time, number one, right? It, time marches on, no matter what we do. And when I ask people, what does it mean to you to manage time? What do you, what do you physically do to manage your time? And they told me, well, I make appointments with myself on my calendar, right? I do that. Time block. Yeah, right? And time blocking has its place. I understand the occasional appointment with yourself to get something important done, but that's no way to manage everything you have to do. I find that people who just take everything on their to-do list and plug it into an opening on their calendar just end up spending more time rearranging their calendar than they do getting things done because who's the first person you're going to break an appointment with? Oh, myself. I do it all the time. 
Absolutely, right? So, so for those reasons, I just felt like time management was really um, that framing things, framing our productivity in terms of our ability to manage time was really holding us back. And I realized that the, the problem for us now in the 21st century, especially with all of our technology and the speed and the pace of business, the problem that we have is really a problem of distraction. And if distraction is our problem, we can't solve a distraction problem with a time management solution. Attention is the antidote to distraction. And so I started writing about about how people needed to change their perspective and discover attention management. And, and we have control, at least in theory, over our attention. In time, we don't. So that's, that's sort of how it came about. Well, uh, <laughs> I've got like 30 thoughts going through my head based on what you just <laughs> said. <laughs> All right, let me pick one, okay, and we'll start there. You say that we can control our attention versus our time. Yet for many people, and I see this with my clients all the time, and I, I've seen it with myself since I've been dealing with the sound-induced vertigo stuff, how do you control your attention versus your time? To me, they seem very, very linked, but yet they're not according to your wonderful book and what you just said. Yeah. I mean, time marches on, right? As much as we would like to say, for example, if you sat down at your computer and you said at 9 o'clock I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this article, right? So you sit down and at 9 o'clock you start to think about the article and then the phone rings until you answer the phone. And then you're like, okay, where was I? The article. Okay. Now the article, oh, look, there's a new email. Okay, let me just read. No, I can get to that later. Okay. Where was I? The article. And then somebody drops by your desk. Hey, Laura, do you have a minute? Sure. What can I do for you? Right? To help them. Okay. Now, where was I? The article. Right? And now it's 920. And you really haven't done anything on the article. It's not like you can say, okay, 9 o'clock starts now. Now now is when I will actually, right, go back to 9 o'clock. You can't. The time has passed and the report isn't done. So you you couldn't control the time. But if when you sat down at 9 o'clock to do the article, you closed out your email, you put a sign on your door to your office or on your cubicle wall that said, please do not disturb right now. You put your phone on do not disturb. Even better, you put it out of sight. You took control of your attention. Now, there's nothing to interrupt you. So, so. In that case, you were both, I suppose you could say, managing your time and your attention. But the point is, managing your time didn't matter until you also managed your attention. And so attention management is much more useful than time management. Okay. So using the scenario you just described, you've got to write an article, you've got a task you've got to finish, whatever it it may be. You've put your do not disturb signs out and all of that. Does it mean that your sole focus, your sole attention is only on that one item and for how long? Because, I mean, you can get lost in focusing on one thing and your, you know, your whole day could be gone, but other things needed your attention as well. So how does that work? Yeah. So 
well, I find most people's attention spans are not that long. Um, and even even if you do have great hyper-focus, in fact, a lot of people who have ADD, sounds unusual, but a lot of people who have ADD actually um, do have that hyper-focus issue where they, could, where they can just get lost in something. But what I find is more common is that our attention spans have gotten shorter and shorter. And even if you are able to focus for a fair amount of time, at some point you're going to start to get oh, I need some water, I have to go to the bathroom, or my neck is stiff, or I, um, I have, I'm feeling like I haven't checked my messages in a long time and I wonder what's going on there. And I find for most people that usually happens depending, well, it depends on a lot of things. It, that could happen very quickly. I, and for a lot of people it does happen very quickly, but most of us can say, no, 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 I'm working on this, I'll worry about that later. And stay focused, let's say somewhere between 20 minutes and 45, 60 minutes. After about an hour at the most, most people are going to start thinking like, okay, I need a break or um, I, I, my, my neck is starting to get stiff or I'm getting thirsty or it's almost lunchtime or, or something else that's going to um, disrupt your attention from that that article that you were writing. So it it really depends on the task that you're doing and your ability to control your attention and how long you have. I mean, maybe you said, well, I have 30 minutes for this and then I have to go to a meeting. So if you feel like hyper-focus is a problem for you, you could always set a timer and say, I'm going to work on this for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or some, some number that feels reasonable to you. Set the timer and then do just that one thing and you will get a lot more done, and it will be done better if you do only one thing at a time. So attention management is a part of focus, but it's really not thinking about multitasking. It's I'm going, this is my big picture that I need to take care of, I'm going to break it down and I'm going to work on this part right now and I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm not going to let other things distract me and that's how you begin to control to be more productive. Would that be a good description? Yeah. To me, attention management is a collection of a lot of different behaviors. So in that moment when you are saying, when you are focusing, sure. That is a version of controlling your attention. You're saying, I'm only going to do this one thing. I'm, I'm going to push out thoughts of anything else that, are, that is distracting me, and I am going to stay focused. And I would say in that moment when you are focusing, yes, you are managing your attention. But to me, attention management is bigger than just focus. The more you practice controlling your attention and recognizing sort of where your head is, the better you get at directing your thoughts to the sort of the brain state that will serve you the most. So really that's the sort of overarching definition of attention management, which is the ability to recognize the brain state that you're in. And in the book, I identify four four different quadrants of kind of where your head could be. One of those is 
Uh, okay, I'm hold saying, on one second, because you had this quote I just love. I love where you said, manage where your head is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of the, 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 the head space that you're in, right? We Sometimes we're, we're at work, and we are just feeling... Frazzled. We have a million things going on. We've got pings and vibrations and dings coming at us from every direction. There's people walking by. It's noisy. It's busy. Everybody's dropping in. We can't. It's like I can't even think. Hold on a second, right? That frazzled feeling. Right. I call that re- reacted and distracted. That's the reacted and, and distract, reactive and distracted quadrant. Be- and many of us spend our entire day at work in that place. And when we're in that place, we can't do our best work. We're switching from thing to thing, jumping from a half-written email to a couple of sentences of a report that we needed to do to that person who just walked into our office. And then, and then we open another email, and then that email leads us to click on something on the web. And so all, we've got all these windows open on our desktop and a, a, a bunch of things that are partly done. And unfortunately, that's the way that a lot of people go through their days because there's just so much coming at us all the time. But we're never going to do our best work. We're never going to be able to to marshal our, our resources, right, to sort of build up what I call brain power momentum and, and apply ourselves in a meaningful way when we are in that headspace. So that there's that quadrant. And when, when you can recognize when you're in that quadrant, and then shift to a more useful quadrant for the task at hand. So, for example, if you're feeling reactive and distracted, but you realize, I have to get this article written, that's when you can be like, okay, I'm not in the right headspace to write this article. What can I do? And that's when you can remove yourself from your situation. You can go take a walk around the building. You can go sort of just check out for a few minutes, whether that's to take a walk or to go to a quiet space, gather your thoughts. One of the best ways to change your mental, your mental state is to change your physiology. So if you could go outside, maybe sort of move your body a little bit, um, kind of stretch a little, just um, take a walk and get your blood flowing, that is a great way to change your mental state so that you could get into a different quadrant like the quadrant that I call focused and mindful. And that's when we are feeling more present, more centered. Okay, I'm ready to do this thing. Got my head in it. Here we go. Right. Is there a point at which the things that you do to try to help you get into focused and mindful actually can take over and become, can keep you even more in reactive and distracted? Does that make Um, any sense? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's possible, but that's sort of the, the, uh, when you are practicing attention management, it, it ultimately gives you the ability to shift your brain state. Like, that's the goal, is to recognize where your head is and decide if that, that mental state that you're in is appropriate for the experience that you're having or the, the, the task ahead of you or the conversation that you're in or whatever, whatever that moment is. Does your mental state, it, it, are you in the optimal mental state to maximize that moment? And if you're not, can you shift? 
That's okay. the ultimate sort of ability of pra- that practicing attention management gives you, in my opinion. Now, when I was reading the book and I got to the section, it was in the beginning of the book, the four quadrants of attention management. And, you know, I've talked about reactive and distractive being in the top left, focused and mindful in the bottom right, which is where you recommend that people, that's your goal, is to get to focused and mindful. What surprised me a lot, though, Maura, was this idea that flow is not the place you want to be all the time, because that's the place I strive to be. Well, that so things are just flowing and, oh, my God, I'm getting so much done because I'm in the flow. Flow is great. And it, I can't say which quadrant you should be in all the time. It really depends on the nature of your job or the nature of the sort of the, the, the experience that you're having. And so flow is a great state to be in. But we can't get into flow by sheer force of will. We can't tell our brain, I will be in flow now. I wish I could. (laughs) Right? Um, So the flow is a state that happens when you stay focused and mindful and you are concentrating. Then you might get lucky and your brain will tip you into flow all on its own. So the hallmark or the... That sort of the definition of flow, it's a documented psychological state. And the definition is when the part of your brain that recognizes your body in time and space, right, the part that says I'm sitting at this desk and it's a little cold in here and I wonder if it's almost lunchtime, that part disconnects. And you end up with total immersion in the task at hand, as you described. It's full, total immersion. You are operating at your highest and best and things are just happening, and you know you're doing great work, and it's feeling very productive and very satisfying when you, um, when you complete whatever it is you're doing. So flow is a great state, but not all of us have the kind of job. Some people have more reactive jobs, and some people have um, jobs where flow is great sometimes, but not all the time. So it really depends on sort of what's going on. I, it, there's really no state that's best because even sometimes you even need to be reactive and distracted if you are in sort of a chaotic situation where um, maybe you're a manager and something big is happening to your team and one department is working on on this thing but they need your help and a different department is working on something else but everybody's sort of working together and there's a million questions flying and you need to be kind of the traffic cop going yep that's it yep you you guys do that okay yep got it Uh uh-huh that that goes with it right and you're just sort of directing everything that's a great time to be in that state of um, maybe it's less distracted, but it's more reactive, and that's okay. So like a fireman yeah. getting to a yeah. fire, they need to be in the reactive state where they're multitasking and, and all of that, but they also need to be focused and mindful, so they're sort of in two quadrants at the same time? Yeah, I mean, so really I, I oversimplified our brain states in this, in this book, really, just to sort of make the point, there are right, which you many, have to. many, many brains. Right. Yeah, there are many brain states that we could be in, but 
the four quadrants in the book that I identify, so reactive and distracted, which in general I was making the point that we spend a lot of our days like this, and it means that oftentimes we don't get a lot of the important work done. I can relate. I totally didn't post a show because yesterday because I was I was I had so many things going on that I didn't do the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the focused and mindful state is when you are actively concentrating and saying I am going to do just this thing for the next 30 minutes and I am going to finish it or get a, a lot of you know a lot of it done in an undistracted focused way i'm going to i'm going to marshal all my resources and all my brain power in the service of this task that's super useful sometimes then when you stay in that state for a little bit you might get lucky and tip into flow and get some really great results and then the last state in general just in my example is the daydreaming or mind wandering state and in the book, I talk about how it seems like it doesn't take any effort to get into this state because your brain tends to wander on its own. And that's true. Your brain does, your mind does wander on its own sometimes, but we have, I find that we've crowded out those opportunities for daydreaming because they usually happen in a pause of activity right, when we're walking across the parking lot after we park the car and heading into the building, when we're riding in an elevator, when we're waiting in line, when we're stopped at a red light. All these pauses of activity is when we used to have an opportunity for our brain to wander. But now what happens in any pause of activity is everybody pulls out their device immediately, feeling like, oh, well, I could get something done, right? I'm not being productive if I'm just sitting here. I've got a minute at the stoplight, I could knock out a couple emails or read that text message that just came in, right? Clear those clear those Check notifications off my Check the social media. Exactly. And so all of those in-between moments are just gone. And so we are crowding out those opportunities for our mind to wander. But when we do allow our mind to wander, that's often when we have insights and creativity and ideas because just like flow state you can't tell your brain i will now have an insight right i will now have an idea i will now solve that problem right our brain just doesn't work that way it happens when we when our mind is just wandering and when our brain is when when we sort of our, our consciousness um, when we release the reins on our consciousness and let just let our brain do its thing and wander that's when connections and insights happen. I've noticed that every so often I need to just read a fiction book because it mm-hmm. sort of lets my brain rest and go into different creative realms because I read pretty much a, a nonfiction book or two every week in prep for my show. Mm-hmm. And I realized I hadn't read a fiction book in a while and somebody loaned me the latest Lee Child and all of a sudden I felt refreshed. Absolutely. We have to do different things to give our brain an opportunity to recharge, for sure. And I would imagine that that's very different for an individual. For my mom, it was gardening. She would go out in the garden, and that just recharged her, even 20 minutes out there. Me, I just don't like dirt, so (laughs) that wouldn't be the right option for me. 
Yeah, it is useful to do something very different. So a lot of my clients will tell me, um, uh, we talk about how they come home from work so exhausted, and, and I ask them about their days, and I ask them if they take breaks, and they say, yeah, you know, I'll take I'll take 10 minutes here or there to, you know, read the news or, or the the scores, the sports scores, or to scroll through Facebook and then go back to work. But the thing is that if you if your job is very heavy on, you know, reading and visual things on a computer screen, and then on your break you still read and do visual things on a computer screen, it's not really a break for your brain. It might be a different topic and something that you enjoy more, but it's still not really okay. a break and, for you. And hold on one second, because we're about to go out to national news, and we'll be right back with more from Maura Neville Thomas. Welcome back, everyone. If you are just joining us live, you missed an amazing first uh, half hour of the show. My guest is Maura Neville Thomas. She is the author of Attention Management, How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day. And this is so much more than a productivity book. This is about, for me, when I read the book, and it's, it's things that I speak on and believe dearly, it's about reclaiming yourself with a world that is increasingly distracted in micro moments where we have to be busy every second of the day looking at our phones, looking at our email, our social media, whatever it may be, attention management to me is even more critical to help us achieve our goals, to uh, achieve a sense of self that at the end of the day we can feel good, take a deep breath, breathe out and say, I did good today and not feeling regrets or things like that. So if you missed the first half of the show, you can grab and listen to it anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts or up at laurasteward.com, but we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Pocket Cast. That's a recent addition. And please listen, rate, review, subscribe. Let me know what you think of the show. Uh, reach out to me on social media um, at the Laura Stewart pretty much on any social media platform. So let's get back to this whole idea of attention management that, um, Maura, you were talking about in the first half of the show. And I had said when we were talking about your four quadrants of attention management, and you said that daydreaming, which is one of the four quadrants, you said is so important to help us so that we can become more focused and mindful. Why is this so important, and why is it important, as we were talking about during the break, to do things that are not similar to what you do on your job as you're daydreaming break? Yeah. So daydreaming is when we have insights, right? When we allow our mind to wander, that's when we are sort of processing and unpacking the things that we saw and heard and read and our experiences and making connections between things in a way that we can't consciously instruct our brain to do. I mean, sure, you can think about something and you can focus on it, but when you, um, I believe there's there's a book, I believe it might be Nudge, um, and I might be getting that wrong, but one of the, a book by a psychologist talks about the brain 
as um, the elephant and the rider, the brain and the consciousness as the elephant and the rider, right? So the the brain is the elephant, right? It's a very powerful being. And if the rider, the consciousness, gets off the elephant and just kind of lets it do its thing, it's really powerful. And so if you can allow your mind to wander instead of, uh, and not when you're not consciously directing it, then you can stimulate your creativity and have insights in a way, in a different way than when you're really trying and when you're fo- actively consciously focusing your mind. So that's really important. And then breaks, when you take a break at work, it's really important to do something different because if you, if you're doing a lot of reading and visual things and then for a break you decide to you know, read Facebook or read the news or the sports scores, it's still the same kind of activity. It's still reading and visual things. And so it doesn't really give your brain a break. It's better to do something entirely different, something creative like doodling or um, those adult coloring books that I, some of my clients like or to do something physical like to go take a walk, let your mind wander, um, you can listen to a story. You talked about enjoying fiction. I would say maybe go for a walk and listen to a story. That could be a good way to take a break or to just have quiet time on your walk and, you know, look at the look at nature and the trees and the birds and the flowers and just sort of be present in the walk. But doing something different is a really useful way to take a break. I'm wondering if I'm the only person in the world who thinks that those adult coloring books are stressful. <laughs> I don't know. I I have uh I have a lot of clients who really enjoy them cuz they're sort of mindless, right? It's a way that you can for some people. It's a way that you can just sort of let your fingers go and and your brain is off wandering on something yeah. else. Some I I like get one and I go, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. Oh my god, there's so much left to finish. Oh. <laughs> So not a good choice for me. In your book, I love this quote, and I'm making it a quote because you wrote it in the book. You said, remember that the ultimate goal of attention management is to unleash the full benefit of your wisdom and brain power, allowing you to achieve more of your significant results and live a life of choice rather than a life of reaction and distraction. If, If nothing else from this book sticks out for my listeners, I would love it that they got that whole idea that attention management means you're living a life of choice. How can my listeners begin to really understand that and step into it and do it? I mean, are there questions they should ask? Are there steps that they can take? I know the book lays out several, but I'm hoping my listeners will go buy your book. But for now, yes. yes, there are action steps at the end of every single chapter, and I'm happy to share some of them. Um, I have this phrase that I call, when I talk about sort of marshalling your resources and this brain power momentum that I, uh, that I referenced before, I call it unleashing your genius. And a great sort of metaphor that I think drives the point home is imagine if you were, uh, if your job was to ride a bike 10 miles. And so you get on the bike and you start to pedal 
and you pedal and you pedal and you pedal and you build up some momentum and you start to get tired and you realize, well, I've got some momentum. I could coast for a little while. But as soon as you feel like you maybe could coast a little bit, for some reason you have to hit the brakes. And so you hit the brakes and so you have to pedal again and you have to start all over again and pedal and pedal and pedal. And then just when you get up a little bit more momentum, bam, you have to hit the brakes again. Imagine if you had to ride the bike the whole way, the whole 10 miles, with every time you built up some momentum, you had to hit the brakes. Imagine how much longer it would take you to get your 10 miles. Imagine how much more effort you would have to put in. Imagine how much more tired you would be when you got, when you got there. That is your brain on distraction. Every time you start to get your head into something and you get an interruption, all that brain power momentum is gone. And so you can... So it's going to take you more time and more effort, and you're going to be more tired at the end of the day. So to me, attention management allows you to really build up that brain power momentum and and call upon all of your knowledge and wisdom and experience, and not only those things, but also your empathy and your humor and your compassion and and all of the things that make you, you. That's what I mean by unleashing your genius, and that's that's really the benefit of attention management. So we were talking about the. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. We I had ten thoughts, but it, it, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the four quadrants, and so one way, one one useful exercise that I share in the book is: imagine that you were hiring someone to replace you. Right, you were high, you got promoted to CEO if you're not CEO, or you got promoted to chairman of the board if you are CEO, and you were hiring to replace you. Think about the four quadrants, right? Reactive and distracted, daydreaming, focused and mindful, and flow. And think about for your job, what do you think is an appropriate amount of time, an appropriate percentage of time during your day? to spend in each of those quadrants, right? Because everybody's job is different, right? If you are the CEO, you might need more time in daydreaming because you need to be the visionary for the organization. If you are the director of um, sales, maybe you need to spend more time in focused and mindful because you need to be present with your customers and relationships are really important. But all the jobs are different. But imagine... You're hiring to replace you. What is the appropriate approximate percentage of time that you think that this person should spend in each quadrant? There's the ideal. And then compare that to how your days really go and what percentage of time you're actually in each quadrant. And what I find is that most people say that they spend the vast majority of their time in reactive and distracted, but that can help them see how it would be better for their jobs if they spent more time in other quadrants. I love that exercise because it makes you become so aware, you know, rather than even writing down every 15 minutes what you do to try to get a handle on what you do during the day and how often you're distracted or whatever, the first step being the ideal for somebody taking over your job, where should they be? And then compare it to yourself. That. That is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
think. You are right, though, that it awareness. Um, so here's the, the one one takeaway that I would like readers to take from the book. The world is designed to distract us, right? The world is really conspiring to steal our attention. And so much so that distraction has become a habit. And most people don't think about distraction as a habit, but that's really what it is. You get distracted. Studies show that we, that the average person gets distracted about every few, every three minutes. And so when something happens to you every three minutes, when you do something about every three minutes all day long, that's a habit. And it's a habit that gets reinforced every few minutes all day long. And so it becomes this really, really strong habit. And so thinking about distraction as a habit is is the most important step into breaking that habit or to disrupting that habit because you can't change a habit that you don't even realize you have. So your point about noticing when you're being distracted, that's actually another really good way to start to change your behaviors in, um, and adopt more habits that are serving you rather than sabotaging you. Towards the end of your book, you take attention management to another level, which I think is so critical because the, the first half of the book really, to me, talks about gaining that awareness. But then now you've got the awareness, now what do you do with it? And you call that workflow management. I, you, you say that there are three truths to this. You can only manage what you can see. You can only see what's outside your head. And you need things in one centralized external location that you trust I love that you put the word trust there, that you trust and that you can refer to at any time. So somebody's got awareness now of their quadrants, where they've been spending their time, and where they feel the optimal would be. Now, how do they implement these three truths that you talk about? And anybody, it's on page 58 in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I put distractions in in three buckets, right? We have distractions from other people. We have distractions from our technology. And we have our own internal, in our mind, distractions. In fact, we distract ourselves a lot, right? You're trying to focus on something and your brain says, but don't forget, you're going to call that person back. And you're like, shh, stop that. I'm trying to do this right now. <laughs> and in there. These, Thought, right? These thoughts pop into our head all day long. And one of the big reasons I find in my you know, 25 years in the productivity industry is that a lot of these thoughts that pop into our head, it's basically us running down our to-do list in our head all day long, right? Don't forget to do that, and you've got to call that person, and don't forget you're out of milk, and you've got to stop at the store on the way home, and you've got to pick up the dry cleaning, and you've got you to file your expense report, and you've got to blah, 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 right? All of this stuff. And it's part of that is because most of us don't do a really good job managing all of that stuff that we have to do. What I find is that most people manage all the stuff they have to do by writing lists on paper and then supplementing those with sticky notes and then maybe writing the big projects on the dry erase board on the wall 
and putting flags in their email of the things that they need to get back to. And maybe there are lists on the refrigerator, and, and maybe you've got some things in your calendar, and maybe you put a few things in some sort of note app on your phone or to-do list app on your phone. And so what that means is that you are ultimately relying on your brain. Right to right. remind. The only way that you remember what's on the piece of paper is if you keep reading the piece of paper over and over and over again. And so every time we write something down on a piece of paper, we tell our brain, "Don't forget." And our brain does not know the appropriate time to remind us of something, so it reminds us all the time, "Don't forget about that." Don't forget about that. And don't forget about that. And don't forget about that. And so the solution to this is a good workflow management system. And by a workflow management system, I don't mean an app, although apps apps are the supplements for our system for sure, but, but the workflow system itself is the collection of behaviors. How do I organize and store and manage all of this stuff that I need to do? And one of the first steps of workflow management is that you have to have is you have to get in the habit of keeping everything you need to do in one place just like you described, because it has to be out. That one place can't be your brain, because if it's in your brain, you can't remember everything. And so you can only really manage what you can see, and you can only see what's outside your head. So workflow management is the topic of my first book called Personal Productivity Secrets. But those are some ways to get started. So somebody should brain dump everything that they believe they need to get done or want to get done and then begin to call that down and say this is important, this isn't important, and, and keep a, a master to-do list? Because I think there's more to it from what you're saying than perhaps what I'm taking from what you just said. Oh, yeah. There is a whole, I mean, workflow management is all about managing all of the commitments, communication, information, in all of those forms that those things come to us. But, yes. One step is to get everything out of your head and get into the habit of keeping everything that you need to do in one place. So it's fine to jot something down on a sticky note when you're thinking about it, but then you have to take that sticky note and put it in your master, whatever's on that sticky note in your master list. Rather than putting a flag on your email, if you can't do whatever whatever you need to do that's in that email, if you can't do it right now, then you need to move that to your master list. As items come to you, you need to put those things in your master list. You go to a meeting, you take meeting notes and action items that you have to do as a result of the meeting. After the meeting, you have to add those things to your master list. And once you have everything in one place, then you can start to organize it and prioritize it in a way that makes sense. It's like if you were trying to do a puzzle with all of the pieces scattered all over your house. That's not a good way to do the puzzle. And for the same reasons that it's not a good way to do the puzzle, it's not a good way to manage your life when all of your actions, all of your puzzle pieces are scattered all over the different places. So that's the first Okay, step. so to get attention management going, you want to get all those puzzle pieces together on one table and or one piece of paper, it might be more than one page, and then start organizing them into, okay, say life stuff, work stuff, important stuff, not so important stuff, delegate this kind of stuff, or no? Yep, categorizing is a really important step 
I would also suggest that that one place not be a piece of paper because there is a time and place for paper, but paper can't remind you of things. And it's hard to reorganize things that are on paper, and it's hard to have paper with you all the time. And paper doesn't expand readily. You have to get more pieces of paper. So I really recommend that people get a really good task app and keep things there. And there are all kinds of different task apps. My favorite one is called Todoist. Your favorite one is called what? Todoist. To-do list. Okay. To do I don't know that. T O D O I S T. To do it. To do it. Okay. I'm not familiar with that app. What is it that you like about that? I find it just to be very intuitive and very easy to use. Um, once you have everything in your app, then you can start to categorize it, and then you can start to prioritize it. Um, I like action-based categories, so things that I can do right away versus um, a big multi-step thing like a project would go in a different category versus something that somebody owes me would go in a different category like waiting for. So I outline all of those categories in my other book. But I, for me, action-based categories are um, the way to go. Okay. So what's the title of the other book? I want to make sure people know it in case they'd like to get that one as well. Thank you. It's called Personal Productivity Secrets. Okay. And then your, your current book, Attention Management, How to Create Success and Gain Productivity Every Day, which it's almost like this needed to come first before your first book so that it could make people more, product, you know, more personally productive because they've got their grasp on attention management. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It's fun. Attention management is a foundational principle of, work, of my workflow management system for sure. Okay. Which is perfect because my listeners may never have heard of you before, which is to their loss. But now they do know you because uh, you've been on the show. So they should get attention management, how to create success and gain productivity every day. And they can get that where, more. Anywhere books are sold. That's, that's perfect. I like that. And we have our great, wonderful bookstore here in town in Vero Beach, the uh, Vero Beach Book Center. I always love to support independent booksellers. I think it's just so important to, to do that. And then your other books are also sold wherever books are sold. How do people reach out to you, Maura? I, you have a wonderful assessment that you suggested I take on your website, which I did, and I, I thought it was very insightful. Where can they find out about you? Where can they find out more about attention management and take their own assessment? Yes, if you'd like to know where, if you'd like to assess your own attention management skills and get some tips for getting started, you can find out um, all of that at maurathomas.com slash assessment. And then if they go back after the assessment's over, you'll get an email everybody that says where you're at, and there will also be a screen that should pop up that tells you your results. And there's a number of other great resources at maurathomas.com as well. And you are on social media. Um, yeah, I'm on social But I know you, I, I love this. You, you hate Facebook with a passion, so you're rarely on it, but it is there. <laughs> It's true. It's facebook.com slash regain your time. 
I'm on Twitter at MN Thomas. Okay. Last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with because you've provided so much great information, but a last thought, last question, last thought that they should be thinking about? Attention management is all about empowering people to take control of their lives so that they can design their lives with intention and they can live a life of choice rather than a life of reaction and distraction. And that's empowering people is really why I do what I do. I have one of those daily quote calendars, Maura, and there's a quote by J.K. Rowling today. It is our choices that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. And I just thought that was so perfect because to me your book really says to us we can choose what our life looks like. We can choose a life of distraction or we can choose a life of achieving all that we can be. But if we allow distractions to, to run our lives, then that's the choice we've made. And I, I just think this, the work that you do, and you're, you're on Harvard Broods, and if you type in everybody, Google attention management, the first thing that pops up is Moore's article in the Harvard Business Review, and I highly recommend reading it. It's a brilliant article. Oh, my God, I love that article, Maura. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing with my listeners. And they can go to morathomas.com slash assessment and take their own assessment on their time management. Remember, everybody, that the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? I hope you had a great time today. Listen to us on the podcast. Me, not us, because it's just me and my wonderful guests. And let me know what you think. Reach out to me at laura at laurasteward.com or on social media. Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 